0: we will our to our Bible reading this morning to Psalm 90, Psalm number 90, and we'll take the time to read the psalm in its entirety, Psalm number 90. Prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past. And as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants, which satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea. The work of our hands, establish Thou it. Amen. As we come to hear the preaching of this, the Lord's Word, we'll come one more time to the place of prayer and ask for the Lord's help. Our gracious God, we praise Thee, Lord, that You have permitted us to come before Thee and worship Thee and praise Thee. Now we, Lord, come to hear Thy Word. Come to hear what You have to say to us. Speak plainly, Lord, we pray. Lord, we give you thanks for thy word, for the power that it has in our lives. Lord, work that power now, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen and amen. This psalm that is, that is open before us this morning is the only psalm that is recorded and said to be a psalm of Moses, written by his hand. And it is rightly titled A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. But what does this man of God have to say to us this morning? You know, from his life, he could have written about how God humbles a man and prepares him to serve the Lord. He could have talked about the, the power of God that was on display in the plagues of Egypt and God's judgment there. He could have talked about the deliverance. That God wrought for His people when He opened up the Red Sea that His people could go through and the enemies of His people were drowned behind them. We could have spoken of the mercy of God that was shown to the children of Israel time and time again despite their rebellion. But instead, the only psalm we have in the book of Psalms recorded by the hand of Moses the Holy Spirit laid it upon him to to write about you know, the eternal, unchanging God compared to man, compared to us, who is bound to change and to fade away. That's what we see, God's unchangeable nature. We see that in, in verses 1 and 2. And following that, you, Moses, he shows us that in contrast to that, the natural state of man, that he is prone to change, to fade away. But then from that, Moses gets more specific. You know, he, he, he views the children of Israel in particular in verses 7 through 11, where we read, you know, for we are consumed by thine anger. He's, now he, he's turning and he's talking about we are consumed by thine anger. But the psalm has a transition in verse 12, in a series of requests in verses 13 through 17. But those requests, they're based on what Moses has already said, already said about God being unchangeable, but man being prone to change. And men like to debate about when this psalm was exactly written, whether it was the beginning of the wilderness wanderings or, or at the end before they were to enter the promised land. But I believe that that it's written at the end of the wilderness wanderings. After Moses has buried an entire generation, and they've come through a desert that is now filled with graves. And I believe this is is suggested from from verse 9 where we read, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. And from that verse, you, you, I believe we see there you know, a picture of a nation that has passed away, that has gone through the wrath of the Lord, not that they will soon do so in the wilderness. And I believe that's also suggested from verse 15, where you read, Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. And I believe that that verse is pointing to Moses is praying that at the time of their discipline, the time where they were experiencing the wrath of God in, in the wilderness, it was, it was coming to an end. He's praying that the Lord would bring it to an end. But why does this matter? Why does this psalm matter? Why is it that after burying an entire generation, that Moses writes this? Psalm for the generation that was to come. I believe that is so, and I believe we see why from the words of what will be our text this morning in verse 12, where we, we read, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The nation, or the, rather the generation that was, that was coming, the generation that was here now had not seen the miracles, had not seen what God did in Egypt. They had not witnessed His work in the Red Sea. Though well, They had surely had seen some of the miracles in the desert, in the wilderness wanderings. But this is, this is something that is crucial for us to understand today. They needed to know the number of their days. And we need to know the number of our days, that we would apply our hearts unto wisdom. We'll talk more about what that means later to, to number our days. But it means that, just for now, in summary, that if we don't realize that we are just men and women prone to change and soon even to die, then we won't live our lives rightly. We will not live in wisdom. We often forget how short our lives are and how, how easy it is for a life to come to an end. And we have to ask ourselves this morning, have we numbered our days? Do we know what that means to know their number? If Moses, as he is even called in this psalm by the Holy Spirit... The man of God asked to to, to be taught the number of his days, then we ought to do the same. To ask and to seek to know what what does this mean? To know the number of our days. You know, at times, at times we learn this lesson. Uh, For those of you here, you heard my testimony that I have I've been at the graveside of of my brother, my best friend, who both were buried when they were 23 years old. And you see very plainly by that graveside the number of your days. But we forget. You know, we end up at times being caught up in the hectic pace of our everyday life, so focused on, i got to get the next thing done, I've got to just move on. And we have a long, never-ending list that seems to always have things added to it. Of things that we must do, and we forget that time is short, despite our plans of, of living even beyond today. We need to remember who we are, who I am, and who you are, and how we could quickly come to an end. That is the lesson we will be looking at this morning, Lord willing. So I've given the title to this message, Knowing the Number of our days, knowing the number of our days. In the first place, I want to look at the teacher, and we see this in the text from the words where Moses says, so teach us. We, just like the children of Israel, we have to look to the one, the only one who is capable of teaching us this lesson, and this is a request to God Himself to be their teacher you know, a lot of times we, we can we fall into the trap of thinking that, that circumstances the, the, the providences that come into our life that they will be our teachers, but our circumstances, you know, for instance, I mentioned setting standing beside a graveside, and that was a circumstance that showed that taught something, but circumstances providences are soon forgotten and men forget so god has to be our teacher he has to be the one the one that under, that causes us to understand what this really means but this implies this request implies two things about god which we'll look at briefly the first the first is that he is willing to teach us I've mentioned this several times that we often forget that God joys in seeing His people grow. He He wants to be our teacher. He wants to show us things that are true. He's even taken this upon Himself. I will be the one to teach them and lead them. He's given us the Holy Spirit that He would be the one to take us by the hand and lead us. He chooses the time, yes, that we will learn certain lessons. Much of what what we'll be looking at this morning, perhaps a a very, very young child will struggle to understand. But the Lord knows the time to teach His children. He desires this morning to see us grow. It's, It's the desire of any really halfway decent father. You know, Father, if he comes home and sees his son struggling just with, with basic math, he'll want, oh, I want to teach him. I want him to know these things. Or if he sees him struggling or he wants to show him how to throw a baseball, he's going he's to come to him and he's going to teach him. You know, we desire to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, to live a life that's well spent unto him. We want that. We want to do that. And God sees that. And just like a decent Father here on earth, He is infinitely, infinitely greater and more willing than any earthly father to teach us and to show us, to show us everything that we will need to know to please Him, to live that life that we desire to. So if we pray, if our desire is, Lord, teach us to number our days this morning, you immediately know the Lord is willing to teach you this morning. Secondly, He is able. God is able to teach us. You know, Harkening back to what I just said, a father may be willing to teach his son. And you know, when it comes to, to basic math, he's really he's willing to teach him. But then when he perhaps goes on to high school and certain levels of algebra, well, he's willing to teach him, but he is no longer able to teach him. But that is not the case for the God that we serve, the one who has saved us. He is able to teach us because he has infinite knowledge, but also he's able to teach us in spite of our own learning disabilities, our own difficulties. Providence is things that just shock us, that come into our lives they can fail to teach us, no matter how powerful that moment may seem to be in our life, we can go away and we may not be taught from it. But when God teaches us, He does it with perfect knowledge. He knows, he knows months, months away from, or even years away from the time where we really feel the Lord is impressing something on our hearts, He knows how to impress something that will stick and that will stay with us, and He is able to do it. He knows, he knows what to leave out of our lives that we would learn from Him. And He knows what to bring into our lives that we would learn. And we can even struggle with you know, our learning difficulties, anxieties, and sin. But these are not obstacles to God when it comes to instructing us on these truths. But as we've looked at our teacher, now we must, we must come to the lesson that was my point. Secondly, we see here the lesson. Moses, he asks, "So teach us what is teach us what to number our days?" Briefly, I I believe that you can clearly see or that you would know he's not asking to know how long they have to live, to know the exact number of 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 their days. Instead, he's in this he, he's hearkening back to to the contrast he's already made between the fact that God is eternal and unchangeable, but man must change. He has to change. It is all that he knows. But there are two things in this, two things that I want us to look at concerning man's life that I believe Moses is asking to be taught here. The first is that life is brief. That's what we see communicated to us in verse 6. Man is compared to the grass of the field. We read these words: "In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up; in the evening it is cut down and withereth." The grass is seen in there in that text to grow in a day and to be cut down in the very same. It begins with with color, with vibrancy, with zeal, springing up quickly. And then quickly, it is cut down. And the same is true for us this morning. We like to, we like to see man's life as, as being long, especially if he's you know, blessed to live out all of his years. As Moses even said, if he lives to four score years, which is 80, if he lives that life. God's description of man's life is still, even if he lives to a ripe old age, is that it's like a vapor. It's vanity, you know. Y'all have been outside when it's cold at night, and you've perhaps breathed into the air. When I was young, I remember doing it all the time, just for fun. It was quite a rare thing in Florida, but when you when you breathe in air, you see it, and it changes, and it's gone. If I was to ask you after you took that breath, what did it look like? Describe it to me. You would, the thought of how exactly it looked would quickly fade from your mind. You would forget what that vapor it looked like. When you think about how long it lasts, it's only an instant, and it's gone. You know, everyone also, they like to say how and I've experienced this as well, how time just seems all, all the time, time goes faster. You know, the older you get, it's like today passes faster than yesterday did, or especially faster than you know, five years ago. The days back then were so much longer. I remember as a child I was sitting on the back porch of my house and I was just sitting down and thinking, and I don't know why, but I feel like I, kind of, I wanted the day to end. And I was like, this day is taking forever. It just goes on and on and on. And I remember thinking that regularly as a child, but now I look at my watch, it's, it's over? It's gone? And I feel that you know, if, if time continues to accelerate, I don't want to know how fast time will feel like it's moving 25 years from now. It'll be gone in an instant. Well, that's, that's part of the number of our days, that they are few. They are very few. Secondly, that life, life is frail. ask you a question just in your normal day-to-day thinking this may sound somewhat harsh but did you assume that you would make it till tomorrow did you assume that you will be here not here in this church but here on this earth tomorrow I feel if, if many of us were to answer I did assume I would be here tomorrow I did think that I, w- I would have tomorrow to spend okay what about next week I thought I had next week Next month or next year. But that is not promised to us. We don't hold tomorrow. You know that it brought to mind the words or the, the parable of the rich man who was to tear down his barns and to build more. He had such plans, plans that never were fulfilled. We read in Scripture after he had made all these plans, but God said unto him, Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? That man that night learned how frail, not just how short, but how frail his life was. And it is not hard, just like the grass when it's cut down, it's not hard for a life to come to an end. And you know, when you go out to cut your lawn, or when a man comes with a blade to cut the grass. Does the grass resist? Does it stand up with strength and harden itself against the blade and refuse to fall? No. When a man wants to cut the grass down, it falls. The moment he desires it. All of us, we're going to have to drive home after the service this afternoon. And when you do... Something we often take for granted is I'm just estimating there's about three feet between you and a car that's coming straight at you. You're both going perhaps, you're going down to 45, so you're probably maybe going 50 miles an hour. It's a combined speed of 100 miles an hour. Three feet. It takes less than a second to go from one side of the road to the other. A simple, simple mistake. You know, I like to think about If I were to give you a ball and you throw it up in the air a hundred times, you'll catch it most of the times, once you may miss one simple mistake. But for us, that's all it takes. We are very frail. That's a lesson I know that many have learned. Standing at the gravesides of those that, that they had planned to be burying them, and they are bearing them because it was not hard for their life to simply be snuffed out. We must take time to let that truth sink in. We're not made of steel. We're not bulletproof. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. But when we understand those truths, Moses goes on, You know, the reason that he wants to know the number of our days is, we'll see thirdly, and lastly is the life. The life. In verse 12, so teach us to number our days. This is the reason for it, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What does that mean, to apply our hearts unto wisdom? Well in the context of everything that is that is that has been said about knowing the number of our days is that when we understand that life is brief when we understand that it is frail that this causes us to live according to those truths so we're going to look at three things three things that come from that truth that numbering our days will produce or three things that we see that will produce in our life. The first is that we must see that life must be spent. We saw that our life is very brief, and at any moment it can end. But at the same time, your life is being spent every second. I like I like pocket watches, old, I believe I've, I'll mix it up in my head. But the one with the hands, because when you have hands, I have one before me, you see the hand ticking away, and I see it moving, and I see it constantly moving forward. You know, while I may be able to pop open a pocket watch and wind that time back, I cannot get those seconds by that are, that are leaving right now. You right now are spending time, and you cannot get these seconds back. Unlike everything else or mo- almost everything else in your life, time cannot be saved. You can go out and work all your life, and you can build up your bank account to whatever size you desire, perhaps Lord willing, and you can save it. You can't save time. You can't put it away. You can build up reputation and honor for yourself, but not time. When I think about these things, I, my mind always goes to the great. You know, he marched west from Macedonia, conquering everything that stood in his way, building an empire for himself. But in the end, he had to turn around, and he died before he could even enjoy his empire. And men like to think that he's built a long, you know, a lasting legacy, and in a sense that's true, but there's so much about the man that's faded. Nobody knows who he is. The history of him is, is, a, is a shadow and we can only presume upon so much. And far much more is forgotten. And for the unsaved, that's how they spend their lives every day. You know, this is under my, Secondly, under this is that life can be poorly spent. The unsaved... You know, they they can do good things. You know, speaking of common grace that the Lord gives to men, they can do good things, but all the work that they will do, the fact that they must spend their time, but their time cannot be well spent. Eventually it will all fade. As I just spoke of with with Alexander the Great, everything that he had faded. Where is his empire? you draw the lines for it and show me where it's at? Historically, perhaps they could, but it's gone, and others have taken its place. Others have taken up the land that he once took. But it's also possible for us to live like this. It's possible for a Christian to live without wisdom. It's possible for us to, to live for retirement, to live for quieter days, to build up our own little empires and our own homes. To build up and perhaps achieve hopes and dreams that really are bound to the world, and when the world passes, they are gone. So we have to ask ourselves how are we spending our life? We've been given this, this narrow window of time, and God has called us, He's called us to serve Him, to live for Him. And in doing so, all of us have to avoid getting tunnel vision of focusing on the next thing that we have in the day or just what's to come in just our own small existence and building our own lives. Getting tunnel vision instead of asking the question, Lord, am I living for you? What would you have me to do? You know, we you can take this to an extreme and casting out all pleasures in life, but that's not what it's talking about. What is the purpose of our life? We don't have a lot of time; it's passing right now. We have to ask ourselves: Are we wasting it? Let's come thirdly in this. Life can be wisely spent. What would we can ask ourselves? What does it look like? When we apply our hearts unto wisdom. What does that look like in the Christian life? And I believe that's seen in the requests that that follow verse 12. Particularly, look at verse 17. We read, Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. And when we believe what the Lord has said, we are just pilgrims passing through this this world and we are brought to the place to pray the same prayer that Moses prayed establish thou the work of our hands the world cannot do a work that lasts but you and I can do a work that lasts you know you don't have to to follow and the calling that the Lord has given to me to go into the pulpit, to go into the ministry, to be a missionary in some foreign land, for the Lord to to establish the work of your hands when it comes to building the kingdom of God. It can be a very casual, plain-looking life. But the Lord is able in our plain, simple lives to establish, to establish the work of our hands for all eternity. Because of what Christ has done for us in purchasing us, what we even considered last week, in that He has sanctified our works unto God, that we, could, we may sacrifice unto Him, that we may be workers in His kingdom, doing the work of God, and perhaps even being used of God to save the life, to save the soul of others. It's all of God, but He uses His people. And praise His name, He uses us, that others would be saved, that others would spend their life for Him as well. That the work of our hands would be established. That we would work for God. That we would not only work for ourselves and our own comforts. I come to a close. We're all going to walk out those doors in a moment. And when we do, we have to ask how how will we spend today? How are we going to spend tomorrow? If we're going to spend them rightly and see the work of our hands established, then we have to know the number of our days. We have to know that our time is very short, that we are very frail. But from there, instead of allowing it to drag us down, let those thoughts come with the realization that God gives us power to live out our short and frail lives to His glory, to bring praise unto His name, to do an eternal work that will never fade away, an eternal work that will be done for our Savior, for the One who saved us. For Christ, let us all remember this truth. And I close with the words of C.T. Studd, a famous missionary. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. I pray this word would be upon our hearts this morning. Let us close now in a word of prayer. Our gracious God, our eternal heavenly Father, Lord, we ask for thy forgiveness this morning. Lord, for so often we forget who we are, that we are weak and frail and we must change. Lord, we ask that with these truths that you would That you would impress them upon our hearts. Be our teacher this morning. Show us these things. Lord, show us the truth of these things and let not our own flesh stand in the way of them. May it change the way we live. Lord, may it give us eyes for thee and for thy kingdom. Lord, we ask that you would save us from any unhealthy extremes, but may we make no excuses in service of thy kingdom and for our blessed and wonderful Savior. Lord, it's in His name and for His glory that we ask You would be with us. Go with us throughout this week. Bless us, strengthen us, and sanctify us. Cause us to be used in Thy kingdom. and Lord, establish the work of our hands, please. We pray, O God, establish Thou the work of Thy people in this this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.